welcome to Montano. It is a, a ministry connection learning community. Uh, Montano is a Greek word for to learn, and uh, that's what we're all here to do. We're here to learn and grow and develop in our service of the Lord Jesus. And we're supposed to keep in mind, I think, with, with proper humility that we all have areas where we still need to learn and grow and develop in our lives spiritually and in our ministry. So uh, so we're here to learn today. And I brought on a great guy to join us. His name's Joshua Hirschberger. And uh, so Joshua, why don't you go ahead and uh, take an opportunity to just briefly introduce yourself to everybody in case they don't know you. Yeah, so fellow Hoosier, and I'm an attorney, a minister, and a speaker. Uh, so as a minister, I'm a teaching pastor at a church in Southeast Indiana. Then I've represented churches and schools, religious organizations kind of around the United States. And then I, I head up the Bold Church Initiative, which we focus on just equipping churches to maximize their impact, their gospel impact in their communities. Well, it's good to have you here in the Montana Learning Community and appreciate you coming in. And, and what we want to talk about today uh, is basically what you have developed in the Bold Church Initiative. And so uh, you've got this booklet that I've had uh, on my shelf and I've pulled out a couple times so I was on the Bold Church and awesome. three steps to maximize gospel impact. But uh, I want to give you an opportunity just to share with everybody uh, what it is to be a Bold Church in your, in your thoughts and, and how that looks, uh, practically speaking, living that out in, in, in church, in your community. And I think... Uh, you know, you've probably got some stories of some churches that are doing this really well and can share with us some examples. So what we'll do is you, why don't you go ahead and begin to kind of share some of those things. I'll be keeping an eye on the comments. If you've got a question or a comment, go ahead and post those and I'll share them with everybody. And uh, we'll we'll kind of go from there. But this is interactive. If you've got a question or a comment for Josh, just uh, post it in the comments and we'll, we'll make it as interactive as we can. And uh, so he's here. If you've got questions about Bold Church or if maybe there's some areas of religious liberty, freedom uh, of, 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 of practice in your faith there in your church or, uh, or whatever it is that, that you've got on your heart and mind. That's what Josh is here for to kind of field some of those questions the best best he can. So, uh, yeah, so Josh, tell us tell us a little bit then what what's what's in your in your mind? What's a Bold Church? Yeah, so as you get started, um, as an attorney and also somebody that still works with students, I'm used to getting interrupted. So just <laughs> let me know. <laughs> let me know. Well, as I answer the question, I, where I'd like to start is I think every ministry um, solves a problem. Right? It exists because it helps people solve a problem. So what's the problem? And for me, it's from the side that I would present to church leaders is that every church leader I've ever met says, we want to have gospel impact in our community. We want to have a real yeah. strong presence and impact in the community, in the neighborhood, if you're in a bigger city, that, that we exist in. The problem is it's easy to say, but it's really hard to do. And so what we've set out to do is, is say, maybe this isn't rocket science, but it's hard work. Yeah. Um, so let's look at some churches that do this really well. Uh, let's synthesize that, break it down, give examples, and help ABC Church in the middle of Indiana have an, an incredible impact on his community. Now, I'll, I'll give you, since this is kind of a, a deeper conversation, I'll give you kind of the, the deeper burden that I have. Um, from my perspective as somebody that's trying to defend religious liberty, um, that loves the gospel, and everywhere you see now, the, the church is kind of being evicted from the public square. Mm. The church used to exist at the center of the city. It's essential to American life. 
Yeah. And and now there's a lot of forces trying to boot the church out of that. You know, we we don't need you anymore. You're not really welcome here. And on the other hand, I see a lot of withdrawals from Christian people, just not certain what their role should be. And so that that certainly concerns me. And as I look at the deepest problems in our society, and I, I was looking at it from a political vantage point or a, a legal vantage point, I kept asking, what's the real problem? All right, if you peel back the layers of the, the onion, what's the real problem? And the problem is the church, the big C church, is not having significant spiritual impact outside of its walls. And I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to come to that conclusion because it means it's our, you know, it's it's in our wheelhouse, and that means we have to do something about it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the the behind the scenes issue that I'm trying to solve. The the church should be having significant spiritual impact in every area, and so that's what we're trying to do. So here's my definition of a bold church: it's an outwardly focused church that has significant gospel impact in the life of its city. It's an outwardly focused church that has significant gospel impact in the life of its city. And so a lot of churches will say, well, you know, we're involved in our community, we're doing this or that. So I've developed kind of a test where you can know whether or not your church is a bold church for our purposes. And it's this, you find somebody that's not a member of your church and ask them to go to a city leader and have them ask the city leader pretty much this question. Hey, I'd like your frank opinion. All right, I'm not asking you to sugarcoat something. I want your frank assessment. Is ABC Baptist having a significant impact in the life of this city? Hmm. And if there's any hesitation, if there's a no, then you know that you have some work to do. And so let me try to parse that a little bit. The difference between involvement. A lot of people would say, hey, we're involved in our city. Um, That's great. That's wonderful. But that's not what I'm talking about. Others might say, we have influence in our city. We know people. Um, people know of us. That's not what I'm talking about either. What I'm talking about is impact, meaning you are making a difference in the life of your city. I think uh, Matt Tice, Dave Tice, and Liberty Baptist out in Las Vegas is a great example yeah, of a church. And if you don't know that story, uh, Matt tells it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Like he's sitting there in his office one day and a Ministry assistant walks in and says, hey, the police are here to see you, <laughs> which is never a good start to a meeting, right? But they literally they came into him and said, look, we've got a, a neighborhood down the street that's pretty much the worst neighborhood in the city, Yeah, which is not good for your church growth. I, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, we want to be safe. Um, but they didn't take that approach. And Matt said, hey, we're going to jump in and help. And so they began putting on events. In yeah. that neighborhood, they began befriending people, doing vacation Bible schools or Bible clubs in there. And when I talked to him last, the police reported a 27% reduction in violent crime after 18 months. And there hasn't been a murder there in three years. Yeah. And so that's the, I'm talking the real life impacts of a church. Yep. Now, and some would say, well, that sounds like, well, couldn't the United Way do that or somebody else? But in their Bible, or their Bible clubs, they had 100 kids come to Christ. Mm-hmm. So this like real-life real impact and then the spiritual impact often kind of goes together, Matthew 5, 16. Um, there's another great example from J.D. Greer. And I know that many of the people in this community are going to be independent Baptists. But this church is, I think, a great example of doing this well. And 
here's in the Raleigh-Durham era area, which is very secular. And about 10, 15 years ago, they said, hey, we're not engaging, we're not blessing our city. So they went to the city leaders and said, hey, what are the five biggest problems in our city? They told them, and then they jumped in. Well, a couple years ago, Greer was asked to keynote the city's Martin Luther King Jr. rally, which is one of the biggest events in the life of the city every year, which I, I thought was kind of interesting because here's a, a white guy yeah. leading a Southern Baptist church <laughs> who is asked to, and you know, you know, I have a lot of great Southern Baptist friends, but they have yeah. a history in this thing, right? <laughs> um, and so he, Greer recounts the story as he was kind of nervous. And the city manager comes over to him and says, do you know why we asked you to come here? And he said, no, I don't. And the county manager explained that it's because of how your church has blessed your city, our, yeah. our city. And then another city manager says, pretty much everywhere we look where there are deep problems, we see summits there. Yeah. And so that's it. I mean, that's, that's what I think every church should be doing, but we're not. And I don't know exactly why. I, th- I think maybe... There's just a lot of internal pressures. Um, we have, for the longest time, depended on people to kind of come to us. And I, I think you come to our church and then we'll make a difference in your life. Yeah. You know, and I, I was reading something today where it was talking about... I don't know, I'm, I'm hearing, hearing myself a lot. Is everybody hearing me? <laughs> Sorry. Um, but what I was reading today was uh, a guy talking about uh, that what it's where it starts is a good exegesis of your community. So... Like, we're experts at exegesis of Scripture. We can break down the Scripture, uh, draw out from it what is there, and be able to do something with that and, and, and teach it. But if you do that type of approach to your city, exegete your city, exegete your community, get a real delineation, uh, filtered down view of what the big problems are, uh, you can see what needs addressed and start to start to get involved there. So, uh, But I, that was the way it was worded. I thought it was really interesting, an exegesis of your community. Well, see, well, that's exactly it. We would do that if we were going to a foreign country, right? We'd mm-hmm. be doing that if we're going to Thailand. And yeah. that's why I think this, this is not a novel idea, but I, the more I think about it, the more I just watch the church generally, I think that there's a bit of a blind spot here because we'll, we'll send people across the globe, but we can't reach the neighborhood down our street. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so understanding how those are changing, the world's coming to us. That sort of thing. Um, but I believe every church could be having that kind of impact in its community. So you mentioned the, the three steps. Um, but what I've done, I haven't you know, been around the block a hundred times. I've been in ministry for about 10 years. But we've gone around the country and seen churches that are doing this well. And we've looked at what are the steps did that church take to get to where it is now, to a place of significant impact. And so there's three basic steps. The first one is to overcome your obstacles. And I won't dive into them real deep right now, but the first ones are internal obstacles. Mm-hmm. Right? So these are the things that keep a church from getting outside its walls. Um, things like an internal focus. Right? That's the, if you leave a church by itself, it's eventually going to focus inward because it's full of human beings. And outward focus, I've discovered, is it's less like something you accomplish and more like a habit that you develop. I mean, it's something that you have to constantly work on. Um, another one is conflict. I feel like I have an honorary doctorate in church <laughs> conflict at this point as an attorney and then as a pastor. Yeah. Um, Christians do not fight well. 
And so we, we need to learn how to have good fights so we can stay focused outward. Um, fear. And that's a quiet fear. It's not like anybody's running around afraid. You know, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. But I realize even sometimes when I'm at a public place speaking to another Christian, that sometimes I'll speak in hushed tones about the gospel or you know, some issue of biblical truth. And that's the thing that I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of that subconscious hesitation to go out and live out our faith every day, everywhere. And then apathy. I, I know most church leaders, my, my wife says that church gets the leftovers. <laughs> I think that that's yeah. so true. Um, people are so hyper busy, but they're not equally apathetic. I mean, they'll go and spend six days a week at sports camp or whatever, but they won't jump in and, and help with the church. So we have to care about the gospel before we care about our community. So those are the internal ones. The external ones include legal restrictions. There are some real legal restrictions that keep Christians from making this impact. But oftentimes they're imaginary. I've had so many times people say, well, God called me to do this, but the law. And like, Well, actually, you have the law wrong. Um, another one's personal autonomy. And this one may be kind of non-obvious, but if you think about how our culture ingrains in us to look inside ourselves, to find ourselves, uh, follow our dreams, well, that's always going to push us internal, right? It's always going to make us look at our own wishes, our own preferences, our own programs. And we get, you know, like a, an entire hosing of personal autonomy every day in our culture. Yeah. So that's one that we have to overcome. Then there's privatization of faith. We've got these sacred and secular spheres, and the uh, the secular one keeps taking over the the sacred. And then there's materialism. Uh, We all we're focusing on building our bank accounts, but not the kingdom of God. Um, The next step number two. So step number one: overcome your obstacles. Step number two is three skill sets. That's leading change. Having it like an active apologetic, so you know how to answer the big questions, mm. and then public life. Um, I was interviewing Matt Sims for our podcast, the pastor in Lafayette, and he said that he showed up at the state of the city address, and he was the only pastor there out of the entire city. Yeah. And so there's there's kind of a skill set to do public life that you don't have if you're just in the church world. And then here's step number three, which I'd like to grind down a little more you know, particulars. And this, this is really where a, a pastor could say, how can I move my church from where it is now to maximizing its impact, to have the impact like Guru is having or Liberty Baptist is having. And I think Matt was actually invited to sit by the mayor at the State of the City address. That's how much impact they're having. So the first one is to start with the leaders. And Matt Barnes, our, our friend at the, yeah. the uh, state capitol there, has yeah. done an amazing job of just going in and saying, hey, how can I pray for you? And the return on investment, as, as Matt talks about, is incredible in this because they're completely disarmed. They're like, what do you want? Like, I don't want anything. I just want to pray for you. And so you start there. And just like Greer, you also, if you want to figure out what's the worst problem in your community, go ask the mayor. I had the mayor on our podcast. and We had a long conversation about the drug issue in our town. Our town's a yeah. great town, but... It struggles with drugs like anything else. The second one is look at your natural bridges. So most churches are going to have a group of people, say, in the schools or in a particular business, or maybe they're police officers. So we're not talking about doing a hundred new things. We're talking about doing one thing at a time, at least, or just one thing. 
and really deepening your impact in that area. And then, you know, looking at what are the biggest problems. I see a lot of churches focusing on like symptoms of problems, but not problems themselves. Not the, uh, not focusing on the problem itself and actually solving that. The fourth one is identifying some community partners mm-hmm. that can actually help you maximize your impact. Now, this is not jeopardizing our doctrine. Yeah. It's simply saying, hey, somebody's probably already re- already created the wheel to help with drug rehab. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you. Um, was was exactly that. As we're going to start a church in Franklin, there is um, already organizations that are doing things, and we're not going to have the budget and the workforce to create a ministry to meet the need. So what 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 I'm thinking is, is it better at the beginning to get started, already seeing how can we get involved and assist the organizations that are already in our city trying to solve problems and and be there and say, how can we support you? How can we help you do what you do? Um, Again, not not to the compromising of doctrine, but uh, or should we begin thinking? Okay, we're going to start our own ministry to meet a need, you know, ourselves. How would you go about getting started impacting your city like that? Yeah, and so one of the reasons why I've, I'm doing what I'm doing is I I do have kind of one foot in the ministry world and one foot in public life, right? And I can tell you. Most of the nonprofits or quasi-governmental agencies in your city, they don't necessarily need dollars. They need bodies. Right. right? They, they need people to show up and help them. And so I, I think especially starting out, it's better to do it that way because, number one, you know, you hit the ground running and you're connecting with a lot of people. Right. So you're connecting with people at the local food bank. You're connecting with people at the homeless shelter. And they are seeing your people out there making a difference. And so you're connecting with them. And if you're just starting your own ministry, it's going to just, that's the nature of it, it's going to start small. Yeah. And, and I also think that helps you identify the holes. And that's the one that I've been thinking about here in Madison. And the thing that I've looked at, especially with the drug problem, is that there's a lot of work and dollars spent on the back end, rehabbing people, um, incarcerating people, but the front end, the prevention side of it is where the government's just like, you know, what do you do? We don't, yeah. we don't know. And, and it's a heart problem. And that's why I think if our churches jump in and can help move the needle on things like racism or the drug problem, government can't figure it out. It can't arrest its way out of the problem. It can't program its way out of the problem because it's an issue of the heart. Yeah. And the church is uniquely equipped to solve that. So, yeah, definitely as a church plant, I would encourage you really to emphasize partnering with ministries that are, are doing good work. It, and it helps you connect with people, and it helps you identify problems, which you can yeah. later focus on. And that's one thing that was so impressive to me, like uh, with uh, the situation you told me you were talking about earlier with Liberty Baptist in Las Vegas, how in their situation, it was uh, they saw such a drastic improvement that they began telling these, like it's a, a, an apartment complex, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they actually gave them the move-in lists. Like they, they, I mean, they, I mean, you would think as a church, there's no way this apartment complex is going to tell us, you know, who needs help and right. who's moved in and, and stuff. But, but the police department went to the apartment complexes and says, you're going to give uh, Liberty Baptist Church all your list of move-ins. 
Anytime we have a domestic problem, we're going to tell them where those people, it's like the, you wouldn't suspect that that would be happening, but because they had such a, a community impact, those doors just were blown wide open for them. Yeah. And uh, so it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhat counterintuitive because if you just went in there and you're doing what we would traditionally do, just inviting people to church, that would never be open. And yeah. sometimes I have people ask me, well, is this more like just charity or is it actually gospel ministry? Is yeah. it like a gospel outreach effort? And I think the, the answer to that is it is gospel outreach because you've got to, you know, you got to think about the people that you're trying to reach these days. And I'm certainly kind of any way that somebody's going to reach out with the gospel, I'm for it. Yeah. But I do think we should ask the question, what's going to be most effective uh, with our time? And so just watching how doors have opened with that is incredible. Uh, the other thing with Summit Church is one of the areas they've made a huge impact in is foster care. Mm-hmm. Well, that was not them going out and starting their own Department of Child Services. That was them connecting with the foster system and just making an incredible impact in that area. Yeah. And then the last one is engage your community with the, the point of solving those problems, but without losing a focus on the gospel. And here's the, there's like a really specific takeaway for everybody. The very specific action step I'm asking churches to take is you scroll down any church's website. We have specific ministries designed for important issues, right? age groups, problems. So everybody's got a kid's ministry, right? Everybody's got a student ministry. Most would have something for young adults, men, and women. But this, the factor that is similar in all of those is that it focuses on the inside of the church. And so if we truly value impacting our community, we should systematize it. And the, the pastor has so many things going on. How, how could you actually focus on this without looking, losing focus on your other responsibilities? So my idea is actually start a community impact ministry, right? an, an actual ongoing effort of people that are constantly looking at this and saying, how can we better impact our community. Now, and there are yeah. some churches that do that already, but I'm talking about the Big C Church across the country. If we did that, how would it move the needle in our times? And, and so that's really the bold church vision. Yeah. Uh, my, the way I'm kind of finishing up a book at the moment is I want the church to have so much impact that when we put the first colony on Mars, the space conscious engineers will put a church <laughs> in the middle of it. Right. And yeah. that, I mean, that and I see that as the early church was having that kind of impact, and I think we can as well. And I love it because it just flies in the face of the secular prophecy of the decline of the church. I, I don't think that will happen, especially if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in this way. Um, and so that's yeah. the last thing I'll just share with you from my perspective is some benefits of that. Because we've talked about we got to get out in our community and make a difference. But I understand the budget, all right? And I understand trying to grow your church. And that that's really, I think, what pastors wake up thinking about most of the time. I mean, we can talk about reaching the community all day long, but if we can't keep the doors open next Sunday, uh, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. So think about a few benefits that I think are fairly obvious. One of them would be reaching millennials or Generation Z. These mm-hmm. people want to do something. Yeah. They want to see their faith in action, but a lot of times they don't know what to do. So I think it's our job to go out and curate opportunities. 
And then if you can connect people to those opportunities and they see your church making a difference, that's going to make it even more attractive to people in that age group. The second one's giving. Uh, People don't give to need, they give to vision, right? And if we're showing them, hey, when you put a dollar in the plate here at Community Baptist, this is how we're impacting the drug problem. Yeah, yeah. So instead of the age old, well, we got to keep the lights on, you know, (laughs) here's what it's doing. And then the last one is conflict. We fight over the dumbest stuff. I remember my, my dad and mom were involved in a building project. My dad was a pastor. And my mom got in a fight with the women of the church over the, the banner in the restroom <laughs> because she didn't want an outhouse on the banner. This was in Arkansas. Yeah. And I love Arkansas, but they have, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> and she lost. But, I mean, we fight over that stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the solution. Give people bigger problems. Yeah. You know, so when they see right. young moms, you know, that are barely surviving, kids in the foster care system, suddenly, you know, the, the chairmanship of the kitchen committee. It's not so important anymore. And then the, the last thing I'll say about the kind of side benefit is, is something God said in my heart, and that is the defense of religious liberty. Yeah. And here's the thing that I tell church leaders. It's not something you can delegate. I mean, we've got a political strategy and, and a, a legal strategy for defending religious liberty, but that's not truthfully where it's most under attack, and that's at the cultural level. And so what I'll say is the best way to defend religious liberty is to use it. You know, go out and prove to your secular neighbor yeah. that faith actually makes a difference. Yeah. And then when you come and say, hey, please defend us from this statute, they're going to say, hey, I know those people, and I know they took good work, and I want to defend that. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm pushing this so hard through Old Church Initiative. Um, a lot of people say, well, why don't you just like say like CLA or NCAAL? Um, I think they're doing excellent work, but here's where I see the hole that, I mean, we can win Supreme court cases all day long, but unless there's a a change in people's attitudes towards faith, we're going to struggle with this through our entire ministry. So that's a a side benefit of it as well. So, I mean, that's just a real quick sketch. Um, I help churches with, we've got like workshops that we do, or just look at the website. I've explained these steps and then we've got the podcast where you'll see pastors on saying hey and i basically just asked them like how did you do that there's a church in upstate new york where one in five people in the community comes to their church and the the uh, the city runs about 1500 people and they are involved in almost everything and so it's just a really interesting study and it's basically like how you know how did you do that and they just kind of walk you through so those are some resources if this is something that's piqued your interest. Um, but I just, that's the role of the church. Yeah. We should serve our way back to the center of our cities. And while we're doing that, we're going to be leading people to Christ. So yeah. um, that's the Bold Church Initiative and uh, a fairly lengthy explanation. But no, that's, uh, awesome. that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> now, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can comment. And if you don't, that's fine. I'll keep asking mine. But um, but I'd love to share yours. But I've, I've got this thought. What, what role do you think um, the extreme um, dichotomy politically has affected the church's mentality toward reaching out into their city and their communities? So the, the polarizing politically. Because uh, I've talked to some pastors, and that's come up a couple times. Like, my speaking really of the congregation, like they can't get beyond their political leanings to love on people in their community because they they're in a community that is 
that is not aligned with them, you know, politically speaking. So, you know, how do you how do you encourage a pastor to help a church get get beyond those things? Well, this is a great question because right after the same-sex marriage opinion came out, I was asked by dozens of churches to help them with the bylaws and basically the idea of you know defend us from the LGBT lobby, which I certainly think we need to be good stewards. We need to defend ourselves. But I, I sense a spirit of fear, and, and not not from everyone, but from some that you know, this is not our country anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a real impulse to chain the doors, shutter the windows. It's us against the world, and that's not the Great Commission. And and that's certainly something that has bothered me. So how do you move them away from that? Is one I think you good information can help. That I mean, look the. 2017 was an amazing year for religious liberty, and it now looks like there's going to be a second fairly conservative Supreme Court justice. So let's let's stop thinking that the end, you know, the end is coming through the form of a Supreme Court opinion and just focus on the gospel. And one of the things about this strategy is it starts from a non-political place. Hmm. What I'm saying is, look, the church has lost its credibility in a lot of our communities. And you don't win that back by showing up saying, "Demand, you know, I'm demanding my rights." You you win that back by saying, "How can I pray for you and how can I serve you?" And so, if you can start from that place and say, "Let's get back out and serve these," I mean, the one other idea that I have is just look. We've got to tell people times have changed. You know, we I think we need to realize it's, as much as we might honor a golden age that perhaps never existed. And we just need to realize that this is where we serve. This is our mission field. And we talk about that all of the time. But it's amazing to me, like, say, Bowling Green, Kentucky, which I would think of as a southern city. In its school system, there's something like 50 languages spoken. And that is America. I mean, the world has come to us. And with the, you know, the, the discourse politically... I think the church can actually help with that. If we'll get back in, yeah, I may disagree with you, but I want to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And so if you, and I think leaders, here's one of the, leaders need to start that. I've tried to exemplify that. I've met with uh, Joanne Bland, who's a top transgender activist in Kentucky. And they sat down with Joanne and said, you know, tell me your story. I don't, I haven't met many transgender people. So help me understand. And, I may one day have to face Joanne in some context, but I think it's going to go much better if I've actually sat down and had the conversation with them. So it's, I think it's relationship building. It's doing what the church plays best. Yeah. And we just got to get back outside our walls. Yeah. And with that, uh, there's one other thing I wanted to ask, unless any other questions come in. And, you know, in a lot of our cities, a lot of our communities, what's often at the heart is our in, in a given community is sometimes the school corporations. Um, and I know in your, your situation there near Hanover College, you know, we're, we're going to start a church near uh, Franklin College. And, you know, how do you impact your, your school corporations as a, as a positive force for the gospel, uh, as a bold church? And how do you impact a college campus, those fields of education? How do we get into those and, and, and make a gospel impact in those as a, as a bold church? And I think it's similar. Now, it's, easy, it's, it's much easier if you have some teachers that are already in your church. Uh, a lot of churches may not. 
And so I think the path is similar. And I, I give the example sometimes of a church that I've helped here in Madison that the Freedom of uh, freedom from Religion Foundation actually attacked them. And the school corporations actually came to the church's defense in that matter. And it's because they hosted a, a meal for the teachers. It was a voluntary meal just that, hey, we want to thank you for what you're doing for the kids. They provided gift cards to the teachers because most teachers don't really have help in decorating their classrooms. And, you know, so you start with just those relationship building exercises, maybe meeting with the heads and saying, hey, we're, we're here in the community. Um, we want to love the school corporation. We'll even clean bathrooms. We'll paint walls. And so you often are going to have to start at a level like that. But again, as you build the credibility, they're going to eventually begin asking you tougher questions and maybe have you participate. And it certainly is a maybe a greater challenge at a, a more secular institution or one that would be very liberal theologically. Uh, there, there's going to be some uneasiness and discomfort. Uh, for example, at Hanover College, I'm on the, they have a, a leadership commission that's like community leaders. And they're wanting to ask how they can better connect with the county. Um, so I've been able to be on that and, and get to know the, uh, the president of Hanover College. And so I think those are the steps that you have to take to lay the foundation and then see where those go. Yeah. But I, I completely yeah. agree with you. That's a huge place to begin serving. So. All right. Well, let everybody know where they can connect with you. How they can get to know. Now, Josh is a, is a member of Montano, so you can connect with them there. But where else can they find you and connect with you? Yeah. So it's the website's theboldchurch.com, uh, theboldchurch.com. And we, we're actually launching a new video series called Outsiders. Uh, so Excellent. an outsider is a disciple who makes a difference outside the walls of the church. Good. And that's aimed a little bit more at just everyday Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the first episode up. I'll shoot you a link to that. Okay. Um, but something we're going to start doing at least on a monthly basis. And then there's the Bold Church podcast, which is on iTunes. Yeah. Um, but just, again, trying to be a help uh, to church leaders. Facebook, Twitter, uh, I guess the normal places. And, and don't hesitate to call me if I can be of assistance to you. Uh, this is the thing God's laid in my heart. And I love helping churches do this. I was up in uh, a last story. I was up in uh, Indy helping a church a couple of weeks ago. It was there on a Sunday night. And we had set up a workshop for after the church. And the church is already doing good stuff in the community, but they want to maximize it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, hey, this will be great if we've got 10 people, 15 people that, that stay for the workshop. And it was pretty much half the congregation stayed yeah, yeah. Uh, across generations yeah. that continue to do that. So um, it's, it's encouraging to see pastors really have seem to have a heart for this, just trying to help them. That's good. Well, um, those that are out there and those who will watch it later, let me just tell you, next Tuesday, uh, we have scheduled the interview with Kerry Schmidt. We had to move it. Uh, when he scheduled it, he had it down for next week and in the calendar that the scheduling app, it was for this week. So we just had a mix mix up. So he'll be with us next week uh, for that. And also I'm going to be working on this coming week, taking these uh, conversations and turning them into an audio form. So you can uh, do a podcast. It's not going to be a public podcast. It'll be just, I'll set up an RSS feed, which is how you get podcasts. I'll set it up just for this group and I'll share it here. Then you'll just copy and paste it into wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll begin to be subscribed to the feed to get the audio version. Because I know some of you are missionaries that are driving 
and audio would just be better than video. So we're going to start taking this, saving the audio, and uh, putting those out there in that RSS feed for you to listen to uh, on your own time. So, uh, But it's been good to have Josh, and I'm going to end this, but let's just have a quick word of prayer if we can, Absolutely. and then we'll, we'll end. Father, we come to you. We just thank you so much for the privilege it's been to discuss these things today. Pray that you'd help us each look at our ministries and the places where we serve and look for ways where we can be a bold church, maximizing our gospel impact, loving our cities and our communities, and being a force for divine good where we're at, and uh, and starting to form channels of relationships uh, in these areas so that we can uh, really turn the tide. We're going to always battle religious freedom issues, uh, but what we really need to do, instead of being, as Josh mentioned, as concerned with Supreme Court decisions, we need to be uh, working to create a positive um, impact in our community so that those who make the decisions on a local level, especially, uh, view our church and our ministry as something that is doing good, that is changing lives, that is impacting for a, for, for a, in a very positive way, our cities. And so Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to get outward focused, to get past our fears, get past our conflict and uh, begin to think of ways to minister to our communities, uh, again, as forces for divine good. And we pray that you use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, All right, Brian. guys. Praying for you. Absolutely. And we will see you guys next time.